Ayo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Ace. This is Fantasize Football. And after a short hiatus, I'm fucking back, baby. We are here bringing y'all some more fantasy football content for the 2021 fantasy football season. Week one is in the books, right? All done. Great slate of games, great Thursday night game, fantastic Monday night game. What a emotional roller coaster, right? Especially for y'all, y'all Ravens and Raiders fans last night. Game was incredible. I missed you guys so much. I hope you missed me too. Um, thank you all for coming by on a weekly basis, showing your boys some love and support, um, helping the channel to grow. We're two subscribers away from our goal of 300 subscribers by the end of the fantasy football season. Y'all, as always, are blowing that shit right out of the water, right out onto the beach out there. Me, my boy, we are back here today. We are doing the first week of waivers for the Fantasize Football channel. The first time ever we are doing a waiver segment on the channel, and I'm so very excited to do it. I got a lot of players to talk about, so we're gonna kind of keep it a little, uh, keep it a little easy. I'm gonna try to go through these relatively quickly because I have a lot of players to talk about. So we touch all of the bases. If you do enjoy this video at any point, make sure to drop a like, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, thank you for coming by. I really hope you do enjoy today's video and it helps you make some decisions for your waiver priorities this week. Now, without further ado, let's get right into it. What I'm going to be using is ESPN League's players that are rostered in 40% or less. Actually, I think everyone I have here is rostered in 30% of or less of leagues, but for a rule of thumb, generally four waivers, we're going to do 40% of or less of leagues these players will be rostered in. I got some quarterbacks, some running backs, some receivers, some tight ends, a defense, special team stream at a week, baby. You like that? Oh, you like that? Oh, that is you looking like yourself. Smile for me. Do it. Ooh. So without further ado, let's kick it off with the quarterbacks, right? And the first player I have to talk about is Jameis Winston of the New Orleans Saints, currently rostered in 26.1% of leagues. He went fucking bonkers in week one. The Saints absolutely thrashed, thrashed the Packers. Who saw that coming? Not me. 38-3, Jameis threw five touchdowns. He only threw the ball 20 times, about 150 yards, but he went off, plays Carolina, and we too has a great matchup there. So Jameis Winston would be my top priority at the quarterback position. But if Jameis isn't available, my pivot option would be Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings, currently rostered in 24% of leagues. Went for 350 yards and two touchdowns in week one. Good week for Kirk Cousins. And in week two, he plays Arizona, which I expect to be an absolute shootout. So I think that Kirk Cousins is a good option if Jameis Winston is not available for you and you need to uh, stream the quarterback position for week two. So I would prioritize Jameis, but if Jameis is not available, move on to Kirk Cousins. But like I said, we are going to keep this shit rolling because I have a lot of players to talk about today. So we'll move on to the running back position. And the first player I need to talk about is Elijah Mitchell, running back of the San Francisco 49ers, currently rostered in 1.9% of leagues. Now, Elijah Mitchell, this was a weird one, right? Because Trey Sermon, they had higher draft capital uh, invested in him, and he was a healthy scratch for the game, right? 
Very odd. I'm assuming something must have happened off the field, but Raheem Mostert gets injured and Elijah Mitchell just takes the ball and runs with it. Uh, no pun intended, but it works out here because we're talking about a running back in the game of football in the National Football League for fantasy football. So he took the ball and he ran with it, baby. He had 19 carries, 104 yards and a touchdown. And now Raheem Mostert gets injured and he's out for eight weeks. Now, we can't really predict exactly what the 49ers are going to do. I'm assuming Sermon is going to play. Uh, you have Jermichael Hasty there as well. But after his week one performance, I think Elijah Mitchell will get the nod to at least uh, handle the lion's share of the workload in week two. And if he does perform well, he should be able to maintain that job. We know how Shanahan does things. He's going to use multiple running backs. Only concerning thing here is he wasn't involved in the passing game at all. But with those kind of numbers on the ground, if he's going to be able to do something like that or close to it, uh, we know the 49ers are going to score the ball a lot. So if that's the case then Elijah Mitchell has a lot of upside so I think he will be a good add he plays Philadelphia in week two so he does have a relatively good matchup as well so you could slot him in in your flex if you needed to right away now moving on we have Mark Ingram of the Houston Texans who the fuck would have thought that I would be saying go add Mark Ingram to your fantasy roster in week two of the 2021 season I definitely would not have. He's rostered in 11% of leagues. Um, it was very surprising to see Mark Ingram be the lead back, right? Obviously, the Texans kicked the shit out of the Jags as well. So we're not going to see a lot of game scripts like this, but he had 26 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. Philip Lindsay and David Johnson combined for 11 carries. So clearly, they trust Mark Ingram, and we will more than likely see him as the lead back in this offense. I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of games where the game script calls for them to run the ball this much. But regardless, he's a good add nonetheless if you're weak at the running back position. Not very involved in the passing game either, kind of like Mitchell. But with Mark Ingram, he's got Cleveland in week two, which is not a good matchup for him. So you're probably not going to want to slot him in right away. But then after that, he has Carolina in week three, where he could be a flex option as well. So moving on from Mark Ingram, the third, the final running back in this portion that we have to talk about is Tony Jones Jr. of the New Orleans Saints, currently rostered in 14% of leagues. He had 11 carries for 50 yards, and he also had a target, which he caught for three yards. Now, the Saints obviously destroyed the Packers. So they were in a game script where they could run the ball a lot. Tony Jones had 12 opportunities. Alvin Kamara had 20 carries on the ground as well. I expect this team to try to be a more run-heavy team when they can be, while Jameis is kind of getting accustomed to the new offense, to the Saints as the starter. So that could be a good thing for Tony Jones, and he is a very, very high-end handcuff if anything were to happen with Alvin Kamara. We've seen it in the past where Latavius Murray had some uh, flex upside, some standalone value on his own. And I think Tony Jones could do the same thing with the Saints here this season. So I think he's a good player to add to your bench if you need some running back depth. If you're an Alvin Kamara owner, you want you might want to grab him up so that he can kind of be your handcuff there as well and just stash him on your bench. God forbid anything happens to Kamara. And then they're playing, like I mentioned with Jameis Winston, Carolina next week. After what they did to the Packers, I expect them to smash the Carolina Panthers. And if that's the case, they're going to be running the ball a lot. So Tony Jones may have some flex upside if he can find the end zone in week two. So that's the running backs. We had Tony Jones, Mark Ingram, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell first, Mark Ingram, Tony Jones, in my opinion. You could kind of flip-flop Mark Ingram and Tony Jones if you wanted to. Now, moving on to the wide receiver position, the first player I want to talk about is Tim Patrick of the Denver Broncos, currently rostered in under 1% of fantasy leagues on ESPN. He went four, for four, uh, four, four targets, four catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown in week one. 
Jerry Judy got hurt though. And Jerry Judy is going to be out for four to six weeks. So I expect Tim Patrick to kind of slot into that role, which could be a very valuable role on this team with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, because we know Teddy's kind of a smarter player. He's not a type of guy that's going to throw the deep ball to go up and get it. He's going to look for the open guy. And if Tim Patrick is in that role going over the middle of the field, he's open a lot. There could be an opportunity for a lot of targets there. Uh, they play Jacksonville and the Jets in weeks two and week three. So you could right away put him into your lineup as a flex if you need a little help there. So I think Tim Patrick is going to be my top priority at wide receiver, at least one of them for week two. The next player I want to talk about, actually, I'm going to flip-flop this how I have it written down, is Nelson Aguilar of the Patriots, currently rostered in 29.8% of leagues. Now, I was not in on Aglor or any of the Patriots receivers with Cam, but with Mac Jones, I like it a lot more because they're going to throw the ball, the ball more frequently. Uh, Nelson Aglor had seven targets, five catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown in week one against a tough Miami secondary. It's looking like he's probably going to be the top option, at least the top outside receiver option for the Patriots this season. So I think that is a role that could have some value, some flex upside, some flex appeal. I don't think he's going to be any sort of a world beater, but I do like him a lot better with Mac Jones. They play the Jets next week in a divisional matchup, and I think the Patriots are probably going to be winning that game. So maybe they're not throwing the ball so much, but the Jets did look a little better so they can keep it competitive. He could be a good flex option right off the that and in games where the Patriots are playing from behind and have to throw the ball a lot then Nelson Aguilar obviously has a lot more upside now moving to the third receiver that is going to be Quintez Cephas of the Detroit Lions currently rostered again just like we said with Tim Patrick and under one percent of leagues so himself Tim Patrick are guys both guys that are going to be widely available now Quintus Cephas had a weird kind of stat line in week one, right? He had seven targets, three catches, 12 yards, and a touchdown. Kind of odd, but if you actually saw the game, he was getting looked at at the red zone. He had that very nice touchdown catch, and I was kind of curious to see who was going to be that Lions' top receiving option outside of Hawkinson, Swift, Jamal Williams, the running backs, because like I kind of thought, like I've been saying all offseason, Hawkinson was the clear alpha in the passing game in this offense, and then DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams handled a lot of work in the passing game as well. But it looks like Cephas could be the top guy, especially with Tyrell Williams now in the concussion protocol. If he were to miss time, then Quintus Cephas is going to be the main benefactor of that and we're talking about the Lions here who are probably going to stink for the majority of the season and if that's the case they're going to be in game scripts where they have to throw the ball a lot and if Cephas is getting somewhere from six to eight targets a week obviously he has a lot of upside there now as for the Lions they play Green Bay next week who just let up 38 points to Jameis Winston and the Saints their defense stinks this is going to be a game where Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and say fuck I had a bad week last week I need to get it together, whatever. I think they're going to come out swinging and the Lions are going to have to throw the ball a lot to keep up. And Quintez Cephas is obviously going to be a benefactor there. Now, moving on to the last wide receiver that I want to talk about. I actually pivoted on this one. I had someone else, but I'm going to go with Brian Edwards of the Las Vegas Raiders. Last night, he was the MVP late in the game. He's currently rostered in 15.2% of leagues. He had five targets, four catches for 81 yards. He had that almost touchdown to attempt to seal the game when uh, the Raiders were not able to convert, but he looked great at the end of the game. None of the receivers for the Raiders were really involved for the entirety of the first half. It was like the Darren Waller show for the first half. He had like 19 targets for the game. 
But anyways, I think that Brian Edwards could find his way into being the alpha on this offense. I loved Brian Edwards last season. He has a great BOA, breakout age, if you're not aware. And what that means is basically he broke out at a young age. I believe he was like 17, just under 18 years old when he broke out in college, which is just absolutely insane. So that generally means that his game should transfer over better to the NFL. Didn't get much of an opportunity last season, but after how he played last night, helping them to seal that win over the Ravens, I expect for the Raiders to get him more involved going forward. Now, moving on from the, actually, let's recap that real quick. We have Tim Patrick, Nelson Aguilar, Quintez Cephas, and Brian Edwards for receiver. And let's move on to tight end because this is a spot where I know some people are definitely going to be weak. The first player I want to talk about is Jared Cook of the LA Chargers, 22.6% rostered. It was it was uh, said in the offseason he was developing a good report with Justin Herbert, and that was shown this week, where he had eight targets, five catches, and 56 yards, and we love to see that kind of volume. This is going to be a team that throws the ball a lot, and if Jared Cook is somewhere on an average basis in that five to seven target range, then he does have some uh, appeal as a you know middling to back-end tight end one candidate, at least a streaming candidate for us. He's got Dallas and Kansas City in the next two weeks. So he is a guy that in these next two weeks, you can play in your tight end spot because those are both going to be games where more than likely the Chargers are going to have to throw the ball a lot. And obviously that's going to be good for all of the pass catchers, including Jared Cook. Now, if you can't get your hands on Jared Cook, though, the other guy I wanted to talk about was Cole Komet of the Chicago Bears, rostered in 21.8% of leagues. He had seven targets, five catches for 42 yards. Not a very impressive stat line, but what we love about that is the targets. We love to see the volume. Of course, we always, always, always talk about this on this channel, that we prioritize volume, especially at the tight end position. Now, Andy Dalton looked like shit, right? The Bears kind of looked like shit. But if they can put it together and they're in competitive games where they have to throw the ball a lot, then Cole Komet's probably looking like the third option in the receiving game behind Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney for this team. Now, as for the um, Bears, they have Cincinnati in week two, which is going to be a matchup that I expect is going to be relatively competitive. Cincinnati looked really good last week, so if they have to throw the ball a lot, then again, like I've mentioned with a lot of these pass catchers, that will be a very good thing where Cole Komet could be a benefactor from that. So we got Jared Cook, we got Cole Komet as our tight ends, and now we're gonna hop into the DST stream of the week, which is going to be the New Orleans Saints. Again, like I mentioned before, they are playing the Jaguars, 26.7% rostered. They just held the Packers to three points. They had two picks and a fumble recovery. So I think they're a great option playing a Jacksonville team that I would assume would not be as good as the Packers. They just struggled a lot last week in their opening game against the Houston Texans with Trevor Lawrence. So let's see how they make up against the Saints. If they're available on your waiver wire, you need to stream a defense. New Orleans Saints should be your top priority. Now, we're going to hop into a, uh, a deeper sleeper portion, right? Or, or a deeper waiver portion, right? For all y'all that are in deeper leagues where some of these guys are not available, I'm going to give you some options at every position. And in this case, all these players are rostered in 10% or less of leagues. Now, we'll start with the quarterback. That's going to be Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions playing Arizona in week... Arizona? Green Bay in week two. I'm sorry. We literally just 
said that like a few minutes ago, if I'm correct, with Quintus Cephas. But whatever. Playing Green Bay in week two, right? He just came off a big game. He threw the ball 57 times, 38 completions, 330 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick, right? This is going to be a game against Green Bay where the Lions are going to have to throw the ball to stay competitive. So I think Jared Goff's a good option if you do need to stream the quarterback position. They did just allow Jameis Winston to throw for five touchdowns in week one. So hopefully Jared Goff can have a big game for y'all that need a quarterback to stream in week two. Now, moving on to running back, there wasn't a lot to choose from here. So I decided to go with Kenneth Gainwell um, of the Philadelphia Eagles, currently rostered in three and a half percent of leagues, which is kind of surprising to me because I feel like there was some hype for Kenneth Gainwell coming into the season. But clearly, he's only rostered in three and a half percent of leagues. If you do need a little running back depth, a little help at running back, he could be your guy. He had nine uh, carries, 37 yards, a touchdown, three targets, two catches, six receiving yards so he did have 12 opportunities not great but if you're in a deeper league and you need a little help at running back he could be a good piece to have clearly he's going to have a role miles sanders looked really good in week one for the most part so um how much of a role Kenneth Gainwell will have will ha is yet to be seen, but I think he is a good stash. He has a tough matchup in week two against San Fran, but and after that, he has the Cowboys and Kansas City in weeks three and four. Stash him on your bench if you have to use him in a flex and a deeper league. He is a good guy to go after at the running back position. Now, moving on to wide receiver. K.J. Osborne of the Minnesota Vikings, ro rostered in 0.1% of leagues. Now, K.J. Osborne... When I was watching the Vikings game, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy, right? He's a rookie from last season, if I'm correct. He had nine targets, though, seven catches, and 76 yards. It'll be interesting to see how involved he is going forward. Sorry. How involved he is going forward. Because I think this is going to be mostly the Justin Jefferson, uh, Adam Thielen show with Dalvin Cook mixed in a little bit. But Osborne looks like the clear three. He got nine targets. They did throw the ball a lot this past week. But... Regardless, I do think he is a good option, at least in the immediate, to throw on your bench and see what happens. If he's getting even five to six targets a week in a different in a in a deeper league, he might be a guy you want to hold on to. He's got Arizona, Seattle, weeks two, week three. So those are both matchups where the Vikings are probably gonna have to throw the ball quite frequently, maybe not as much as last week. But it's going to be a shootout at least next week against Arizona, if I'm correct. I believe that will be the case at least. So KJ Osborne could be a benefactor of that next week. Moving on from KJ Osborne, we have Zach Pascal of the Colts, rostered in 2.4% of leagues. Last week, he had five targets, four catches, 43 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, touchdowns are not a sticky stat. They are not a predictive stat. But Carson Wentz was looking at Zach Pascal a lot around the red zone. If that's going to be a role he has, that's obviously a very valuable role. Will he be very boom or busty if that's the case? Yes, if the volume's not there, if he's only getting three to five targets. But if he gets more involved going forward and he's getting six, seven targets and he's getting targeted around the red zone, especially in a deeper league, even in a league where you couldn't get any of these other receivers, he might be a good option. This Colts offense was kind of a mystery as well. We didn't know who was going to be Carson Wentz's favorite target, but it looks like Zach Paschal is one of them, at least around the red zone. So I think he will be a great add to have as a viable flex option in deeper leagues at least. Now, Moving on to the last deep sleeper at tight end. This is going to be Farrow Brown of the Houston 
Texans, rostered in a whopping 0% of leagues. He was kind of known as a blocking tight end up until this point in his career, but he was on the field a lot this week. He outplayed, uh, he outsnapped Jordan Aikens, if I'm correct. He was on the field definitely a hell of a lot more than he was. So yeah, he absolutely did. Um, he had five targets, four catches, 67 yards, nothing crazy, but he was a threat for Tyrod Taylor. Clearly Tyrod Taylor did have some sort of report with him. He was tied for seconds on, second in targets on the team, um, on a team that you really can't predict much week to week outside that probably Brandon Cooks will be the target leader for the most part uh, week in and week out. So yes, Farrell Brown is a guy that I'm okay with kind of picking up if you need some help in a deeper league at tight end. If you're in a more shallow league, I wouldn't really be looking at him. I think there are some better options out there, but being rostered in 0% of leagues, need help at tight end, throw him out there, put him on your bench, see how he does and kind of go from there. But yes, that is it. That is the waivers for week one. I tried to make this as quick as possible, as smooth as possible that I could. But I am so happy to be back. I loved week one. I hope you guys smashed your matchups in week one. You enjoyed football. You had a great, great, great weekend. You have a great rest of your week. That is the video though. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, make sure that you drop a like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. Help me reach my goal of 300 subscribers on YouTube by the end of the fantasy football season. I would really, really appreciate that. Make sure as well to drop some comments down below, letting me know some of your start sit questions, any other questions you have, because I don't know if I said this in the beginning or not. I changed my mind. I am going to do three videos a week. I'm going to keep that schedule going. It's probably going to be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Tuesday, obviously, right here, we're doing the waivers. Thursday, we're going to do kind of a, a trade targets video. Guys, I think you should be trying to trade for. That will be a shorter video. Probably going to look at like my top three favorite trades for, maybe a couple guys that I would say maybe try to sell high on, right? And then on Saturday, we're going to do like kind of a start sit video where I want to answer you guys' start sit questions. So check the link down in the description for my Twitter, for my Instagram. Follow me on there. Drop your start sit questions on there. Uh, tweet them at me, DM them to me, or leave them on the comments of this video. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, comment, all of that good shit. Help the channel grow. I would really, really appreciate that. But that is it. That is all. That is all there is. I, again, am so happy to be back and happy to have you guys back with me. I hope you're happy to have me back and see my face. I love you so much. Me, my boy, we are out. We will catch y'all next time. And as always, thank you. Love you. Peace.